everyone and welcome to the huddle i have a great guest on for uh for this conversation i've got steve fetchheimer and steve has uh got a great story personally but also has a great story to tell about new belgium breweries and and i'm sure uh you'd recognize a few of their brands and we'll talk about those but steve thanks for thanks for coming on i know it's it's early in the morning and appreciate you taking the time to do this you guys have such a such a good story and a lot to talk about Thanks, Sean. Super happy to be here today. I'm excited for our conversation. You brew beer, you make beer, and let's let's start with that. Let's talk about what are the brands and how this all came about. I, I heard the story on a bike a few years ago, but but I'd like to like everyone to hear it from you. Yeah. So New Belgium was founded in 1991. Um, our founders were Kim Jordan and her husband Jeff Liebish, and it was founded after Jeff was inspired on a bike ride through Belgium. Uh, he was there for work and he stuck around for a couple of extra weeks, visited a bunch of breweries, got inspired by the amazing beers, um, the amazing beer styles, and brought that back here to Fort Collins, Colorado, where we're headquartered and started brewing. And the first couple of beers that we produced are actually still available. Um, and those are Fat Tire, which is what we're probably most well known for, or at least have been for most of the last 30 years. And then Abbey, those were, were two of the original four beers that Jeff produced. And um, it's, it's been a growth story ever since. Great story that he just uh, happened to be in a place that's really good at this, like the idea, and then just took a shot at it. So we worked out, obviously, it's, uh, it's a great company and big brands, based in Fort Collins. And you've got another other location in Asheville, North Carolina. Is that right? We do. So we have a, a brewery in Asheville that serves most of the East Coast. In those uh, locations, um, I'm sure you picked, uh, Fort Collins may have been the founder's home, but also known for, for excellent water source. But there's a good story behind, um, you know, this, these location choices and then, and then what you're doing for the environment. That's really what I want to talk about is, is some of the commitments that you and the team have made and the difference you're making. Yeah, of course. The, the move to Asheville, not only through growth did we need production capacity, but for us, the, the freight um, both expense, but also environmental impact um, is pretty tremendous. And so being able to spread our breweries out and have one in Asheville and then have the one here in Fort Collins does really help us reduce freight and reduce overall emissions uh, from our beer uh, production. And so that was, that was a driving force. And then John, as, as you noted as well, the water quality in Asheville is really amazing. And one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about today is the importance of clean water and making great beer. And so- yeah. I felt really comfortable about Asheville as a location and what that provided us from, from a water quality standpoint. So you're up in, in the mountains on the East coast, you're in the mountains on the West coast. Is, is there something to be in the mountains in, in both locations? We, we certainly think so. Um, and, and being closer to uh, certainly here in Fort Collins, being closer to the snowpack and just the quality of water we have here is, is really amazing. The reservoir, uh, sits just above Fort Collins. Uh, and so the water is not going very far before it gets to our brewery, um, before it gets into our beers. And Steve, the percentage of beer that, that is water is obviously very high. So yeah. if you get that wrong, the rest probably just doesn't matter, right? Yeah, but it's over it's over 90%. So if you don't start with good water, you're not going to get good beer. That's right. And, and Fat Tire is um, what we're now calling the first carbon neutral beer. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, the first certified carbon neutral beer. Uh, we announced that back in August of 2020. Um, and we're certainly very excited uh, about what that's meant to the brand um, and what we think that can mean to our industry as well. 
Yeah. And see, see, when you say it's carbon neutral beer, what, what does that mean? For Fat Tire, being a certified carbon neutral beer, we're certified by SCS Global Services. And it, it means that uh, we, we are doing what we can to reduce the uh, greenhouse gas emissions associated with the production of beer. We're committed to further reducing those emissions. And to the extent that we can't fully reduce them today, we're purchasing high quality certified carbon offsets um, for any remaining greenhouse gas emission impact. And to your question, John, it, it, at the highest level, it's really a three-step process, right? So at first, we actually have to be able to measure our carbon emissions, right, associated with the production of fat tire and, and, and associated with the overall operations of our brewery. New Belgium was the first to do that uh, over a decade ago. And that really helped us understand what was driving our emission scopes one, scopes two, scopes three emissions. We can kind of talk through what all that means if, if we think that's interesting uh, to some of your listeners. Um, but really understanding that, that, that full footprint um, from, from our operations and from Fat Tire, you then have to make a commitment right, over time to reduce those emissions that, that come across all three scopes. And then, as I said, we've been working um, to buy really high quality carbon offsets uh, for the things that we can't reduce today. And on the, on the measurement, uh, the biggest decision you have to make when you start the process is deciding how you're going to measure it and, and what you really want to know. Because in any operation that uses electricity or fossil fuels, you're going to have a measurable output that probably will be higher than you wanted it to be. And then the second step is, is dealing with all that and deciding what you're going to do about it. You're totally right. The, the ability to measure um, is, is complicated um, up front and it's enlightening, right? And, and so much of our footprint is, is what's in scope three, which is essentially the rest of our supply chain, right? And what I found really interesting about the work, John, that you're doing and then Walmart's doing more broadly is putting a real focus on your supply chain and, and what that means um, to your overall footprint and impact as Walmart. And, you know, we're part of your um, Project Gigaton work uh, and, and achieve um, guru status in our first year as being part of that. But we love to see the focus that you are putting on working with suppliers. And we love working with your team in that effort overall um, to, to really reduce the entire impacts of, of the supply chain as they go into your stores. On the supply chain and the product, um... Talk about the difference you've seen in, in the way customers want to know the story behind products just in, in your career. What's, what's different now in 2021 about the customer and products compared to when you started and, and first got out of school? What I see is, is the importance of transparency and, and that being a real expectation of our customers, right? And our beer drinkers when they walk into a store like yours. They want to be able to understand both what the business stands for, but how their products were made and what are the ingredients. And the web's just made that so easy, right? Um, and, and the expectation that they can jump onto our website, learn a bit about our company, learn a bit about our product has really increased exponentially over the past decade and changes what I think companies need to be able to do um, and, and the level of transparency that's required for their brands to be successful. And certainly I welcome that, right? I think, uh, as I said, Kim, Kim and Jeff built a great company. Um, they built it on um, 
environmental stewardship being one of their four original pillars that they built this company on back in 1991. We have a lot to be proud of. We have, we have done a lot of leading in this space. We have a lot to learn and we have a lot that we can do better. And we're excited to be working with you on certain aspects of that. But we're happy to tell that story. Um, and we're also happy to be really honest and transparent and say, um, you know, we're not, we're not all the way to being a full carbon neutral brewery today. Um, and we're continuing to work on that journey. But I think if when consumers understand that, they understand that you're willing to do the measurement and then you're willing to do the hard work, that goes a long way um, because it shows, it shows your efforts, it shows your actions, it shows what you stand for as a company. Um, and, and I think that story is always going to help propel New Belgium forward. Yeah, it, it is. And it also is it's great to see the way you're so open about it. You're transparent with customers, but anything you learn along the way in becoming a carbon neutral company and, and beyond, you're, you're able to share with others and bring others along. Cause this isn't a, this isn't something we want to do to be competitively different. It's just the right thing to do. And uh, your leadership has been impressive. I think John, the other thing is it's, it's also really important today to attracting great coworkers uh, and, and people want to work for companies that they know are trying to make themselves better, that are trying to make the right decisions for their people, that are trying to make the right decisions for the environment. And when we talk to our coworkers about the reasons that they love working at New Belgium, those are the kinds of things we hear, right, more, more than anything. And, and so it's not only trying to attract that consumer, right, and in our industry, that tends to be people sort of 21 to 40, but certainly not exclusively, but it's also really important to attracting those workers, as I said, um, and, and we think it helps get people engaged uh, and excited and it helps us really recruit talent. And I'm sure you're experiencing some of that as well. Sure, sure. People uh, are looking for a, a purpose in what they do and, and, and we want to know that what we do makes a difference and that the value create isn't, it's beyond uh, just one group. We need to create value for shareholders, certainly, but also for for customers and suppliers and the people who, who work in manufacturing plants and supply chains all around the world. And as, as you said, if we can do this while improving our environmental footprint and make a difference for the planet, it's, it's a win for, for everyone. I know it must be fun to, uh, to work for a brand or work for a, a, a group of brands, you know, they include Fat Tire, but I'd love to know the story of the artwork and what inspired the products. It, it was, you know, in the nineties, one of the, the first, what we, I guess we would have called craft beers, and I'm sure it's classified in, in its own way now, but was was in, the, in those early groups that were one of the disruptors that really took the stage uh, in, in a small way and then became national. We'd love to hear the story behind the brand. A lot of what was happening in craft beer was about the beer, and, and it was always about making a better beer and giving people a gateway to, to experiencing better beer than what was in the marketplace at the time. But I give Kim in particular, a lot of credit. She would call herself, um, she wouldn't call herself the first marketing director, but she sort of was the first marketing director for New Belgium. When you're an entrepreneur, you, you sort of have uh, have every role. Um, and her husband, Jeff, was more about brewing of the beer, right? And she was kind of front of the house marketing and sales and, and making some of that happen, although she did her fair share of brewing as well. And brand was something that always really mattered to Kim. And you can see that early on, um, as you mentioned, John, some of that artwork on the early fat tire bottles, and then even on some of the early cans was really beautiful, um, you know, natural scenes. And Kim had employed a lo local artist here um, to actually put those labels together. And we'll actually be releasing another label 
um, from that woman here as part of our 30th anniversary. So our 30th anniversary here is in, in uh, just over a couple of months um, at the end of June. And so that tie back to the brand, that tie back to artwork and that tie back to sort of the nature and outdoors has been a huge part of Fat Tire for the past 30 years. Then I think when you go to uh, some of our other brands, Voodoo Ranger, which um, is now the largest uh, IPA in the country, at least as measured by Nielsen, you see the artwork come, come to life in a different way. Um, and we talk about our spoke skeleton um, with our Voodoo Ranger character there. But we have a real tie into um, the sort of comic book culture on that side of the art world as well through that brand. And it's such a great way for us to connect with consumers. Uh, and it's such a great way to bring some life to our beers. We do talk about making world-class beer um, along with environmental stewardship. That was one of uh, the original four sort of core values of Kim and Jeff um, was, was, was a goal to make world-class beer. And, and that's almost table stakes today in, in the craft beer industry, but the artwork and the brands we're able to build, I think really do allow us to differentiate ourselves and, and connect with consumers in a really fun and meaningful way. I've always been curious how how Voodoo Ranger came about, how, like just the the terms and what it is and the art. It's it's and it stands out. I, regardless of of the story, I always found it interesting because when you're looking at at a shelf or a menu, it it just stands out and it's different than everything else. But back to your point, it has to be great quality, otherwise it wouldn't be the number one IP in the country. It's interesting. So our sales team all around the country uh, have been called Rangers for a long time. And so that's, that's the name we use uh, for, for our sales team. And for so long, New Belgium did not make an IPA. We were focused on fat tire. We were focused on other sort of Belgian style beers. And our sales team continued to ask for an IPA. It was a growth category. Uh, and, and it was something they saw um, the competition really winning with. And at least as lore goes, and this predates me, but uh, we finally agreed to make an IPA, which was uh, a, a step out of our, our normal beer style. And we made it because the Rangers were asking for us. Uh, and so the original incarnation of the brand was actually called Ranger. It sort of had a playful, at the, the packaging time sort of had a playful spin on, on our sales team. And in fact, a lot of our sales team appeared in some of our print ads and, and in some of our other sort of promotions of the brand. And then like all brands over time, it sort of morphed uh, and, and we went from Ranger IPA to Voodoo Ranger IPA uh, in, in 2016 and, and moved at that time from sort of the more uh, earnest looking um, sort of outdoor ranger and, and, and play off of our sales team to the, the spoke skeleton that we have today um, who, who talks about the brand. And so it's, it's just been this sort of fun internal transition over time to get to where we are. Sometimes it's just hard to explain creativity, but it's there and it's fun. And, and uh, it's, it's great that it started with listening to the salespeople, listening to the people that are closest to the customer. There's a really great lesson there as well. They're and the then, ones in and out of stores all day, right? They're the ones who see what, um, you know, see what people are putting in their baskets and, and, and actually watch that shopping experience every day. And there's so much valuable insight that we can get from that. There's nothing more frustrating than, you know, if I'm in, in, in one of your stores and, and walking up and down the beer aisle and to see someone walk away with a brand that isn't one of ours, right? And, and you kind of 
get to watch them and understand that shopping process and what were they looking for. And it does give you some great ideas in terms of how do you think about your own brand? How do you think about your own positioning? Um, and, and how, you know, how do you make your brands and, and, and your products more attractive? That's right. And it, it starts with being right there when, when the decision is made and understanding how it happens. So, so Steve, last thing, what, what's it like to, uh, to work at New Belgium Breweries? You, you said uh, you co-workers. So I think that's a, a term that you've ad- adapted for anyone who works at the company. Um, so tell, tell me what it's like and what's interesting about it. Well, we, we have talked um, about two of our four sort of original values around making world-class beer and then around environmental stewardship, two of the things that, that Kim and Jeff decided on in 1991. A third one of those was having fun. Uh, and it is, it is fun to uh, work at a brewery. It's a lot of fun to be part of the New Belgium culture. I think we all sort of feel the loss from COVID uh, over the past 12 months because whether it's Thursday night volleyball, which is a long running tradition, we have some sand volleyball courts out behind the brewery here in Fort Collins, um, or whether it's Friday beers at, at the tap room in our brewery here in Fort Collins or in Asheville, we're just not able to do those things. And, and that's the one of, been one of the hardest parts for the last 12 months is how do you keep that culture? How do you keep having that fun um, when you can't be together on a regular basis? And you know, we're all you know at, at a point now where we're moving quickly down the um, sort of vaccine path. Uh, and we hope things will be able to get back to normal here um, later in the summer or maybe towards the fall uh, and, and get back to those things. Because if uh, the environmental stewardship and some of the, the broader um, goals in terms of how we want to run our business are what attract people to New Belgium and allow us to get great talent. It's that fun and it's that community that really keeps people around uh, and, and allows us to continue to be a successful company. As you said, John, we, we use the term coworker because we're all in this together, right? And, and we're all trying to make uh, New Belgium a, a, a more successful business. Uh, and that gives all of us opportunity, both career-wise um, and, and financial-wise, to, to do well. Uh, and and we're, we're all kind of working together to, to try to get to the right end as a company. So Steve, if, if one of our listeners is wanting to learn more about uh, the environmental impact of New Bell's breweries or sustainability, what's the best way to try to figure it out? We've created a website, drinksustainably.com, which actually talks about the entire process New Belgium went through uh, to earn the certified carbon neutral um, designation for the Fat Tire brand. And it's, it's just a fun website too. You, you can learn some things about um, you know, uh, carbon emissions overall and, and the importance of uh, focusing on carbon reduction. And so would, would love people to check out drinksustainably.com. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on. This has been a lot of fun and it's always great to learn about other companies, other products, the stories, of the products. So we'll put the link up for, uh, for people to go check out. But again, thanks for your time and we really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks, John. Appreciate uh, getting together. Hope to see you sometime soon in person. I agree. See you soon.